told you to do. The anointing was so heavy in there. I remember Tavana looking from behind the camera about five or ten minutes in, and she told me later I had to see if that was still you. It looked like you were floating, and there was a big aura around you, and the Holy Spirit had fallen in that place in, in a tangible way, and it was beautiful. So, Anyway, Lord, thank you for all those who have given, who have blessed, and those who will give, and those who have given by other means or online, and we just thank you, Lord. We bless these these funds into the kingdom of God multiplied for your work to share the gospel and to provide for your ministers and Lord we just thank you for that and we just we just call for a hundredfold return seed back to the sower in the same form it was sown in in Jesus name amen, amen. praise God hallelujah <coughs> repeat after me I'm going to get closer to Jesus today I'm going to be strengthened in my faith. I'm going to grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen, amen. First John, the the epistle of John, back in the back, not the gospel. First John, First John, four, verses fifteen through seventeen. First John four, fifteen through seventeen says, "Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him, and he in God." So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. By this, love is perfected with us so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we in this world. Glory to God. Heavenly Father, thank you for this wonderful day and all of your beautiful children who hear this message. Even if they're not your children and they hear your message, bring them to you. Just keep drawing them, Lord, wherever you are in the world. We love you. The Lord Jesus Christ is calling you to himself. Hallelujah. Thank you for the anointing that breaks every yoke. Thank you for your precious word. Thank you that we will grow in the grace and knowledge of, of you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Holy Spirit, have your way. Last week we were recalling that we as servants were commanded by Jesus to occupy until he returns. And that's from Luke chapter 19. But these servants that he was talking about represent the followers of Jesus and we mentioned that being a, a follower of Jesus is more than simply not rejecting him or acknowledging that he is or exists James said you believe there is one God good so does the devil and he trembles right so that's a sarcastic statement found in the Bible but it's just telling us that just Believing he is isn't enough. 
That's not really being a servant or a disciple or a follower of Jesus. You could be a fan and not be a follower. Amen. Amen. But it's an active commitment to serve God. And that is as servant sons. <coughs> Big difference. Big difference. When the prodigal came home, he didn't become like a servant like he had intended to with his big speech he had prepared the, his father didn't even allow him to share that with him he just put the robe and the ring and the shoes and butchered the fatted calf amen, amen. that was his son he was home and now i guarantee you that son became a servant in his attitude toward his father out of love and respect and thankfulness thanksgiving amen there's a big difference in being servants and servant sons. But he told us to occupy till I return. And, and all the other translations, basically, besides the King James, says to do business until I return with what I've given you. In this particular case, it was monetary things. But he's talking about doing his business, doing the family business, in other words, with whatever gifts I give you. Your time, your talents, abilities, your money and resources. The Lord expects us to grow, doesn't he? We talked about that. He expects us to prosper in every way. And to do that, we have to guard our hearts, don't we? We have to guard our hearts. We talked a lot about that. Tavana was here, and I told you that if she was to preach one message ever, which you won't probably ever hear her do, it would be the heart of the matter because she gets this, and it's an important thing because it says from the, the, the heart, everything in life comes from our heart, our attitude of our heart, you see, the wellsprings of life. So as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he, you see. So it is important to guard our heart. And I was asking the Lord about this yesterday as I just wanted to kind of touch on the things we visited on last week. And... Uh, what, is, what is your... What does your growth and development and maturing in Christ have to do with guarding your heart? Yeah, that's, that's the question. And so that's, because that's, that was the same thing, because Peter had told us about how to, how to grow and how we expected to grow and all the parables that Jesus talked about the kingdom. He talked about his expectancy and basically command for us to, to, to grow in the grace and knowledge of him. And so the Lord was telling me last night as I was pondering this before him, he said that a damaged heart is a heart with backward thinking. You know how I was telling you how he's giving me that book, Forward and Backward Thinking? And how we're supposed to live out of the big, big clean windshield and not the little rear view, right? So a damaged heart is a, a heart with backwards thinking. Baggage 
thinking on the past, dwelling on the hurts and bitterness, the bitter pools and disappointments of life, because there are many. We've been talking about that. But a prospering and maturing heart is, is forward thinking. That's how he explained it to me. I don't know if he was nudging me to start on that book. So he put it in those terms. But I thought that was really, uh, Lord, that's really smart. <laughs> and we know there's no future in the past. Even Peter said it in his last epistle to the churches. And we mentioned it last week in Second Peter, the first chapter. You don't need to go there. But it's about... 10 or 12 verses he's talking to add to your faith this and this and this and kindness and goodness and, and he, he wraps it all up with a nice bow of love and he says all, all these things increasing in these attributes and, and, and you will never fall so that's a good thing and that's a good reason why to pay attention to that and to focus on developing you know Always moving forward, always adding to what you have, strengthening, growing. Amen. Proverbs 4.23 tells us, Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. And I've seen this to be true. All of us deal with it on some level, you know. There are some on the extremes that all of us know too. There are people that just, they let the devil win. They, they jumped into a bitter pool or they had one cast upon them, you know. You don't usually ask for those things. But they just decided to, to live in it, you know. And their life just circling the drain ever since. And then other people who just roll up their sleeves and they say, yeah, this has been a heavy, hard blow. But I'm going to get up and I'm going to go another round. Amen. Amen. Yeah. I want to talk to you. We want to add a little bit to our spiritual keychain today. I like doing that. You do? Amen. Good. Add to our spiritual key chain today. We're going to continue to learn how to overcome the storms of life. Romans 8.31, for starters, says, If God be for us, who can, who can be against us? <laughs> I mean, that's, that's pretty good right there. Amen? Why don't you just say that? Say that and make it your own. If, if, if God is for me, who can be against me? Man, that's a good one right there. And you need to answer that. Nobody. Nobody. No person. Amen. And no enemy. No spiritual enemy. Hallelujah. Have you ever been in the middle of a, a real storm? We have a front coming in tonight, but I don't think it's going to be a storm. But, but we've been in some real storms. If you live down here on the coast, you've been in some real storms. <laughs> I know I've been. I've sat through a bunch of hurricanes. I never forget my parents came up from Texas City to get away from Hurricane Ike, and it came right up 45, didn't it? 
And so at our house, it was like a freight train was driving through it for two hours. But we were blessed. The lights came on in just a day or so, and everybody else was out in two weeks. And, and they were a little older at the time, so it was pretty good. But a physical storm, even in the comfort and protection of your own house, it can be a little nerve-wracking, can't it? Yeah. <laughs> it can be. Thunder booming, the wind howling, the rain pouring down. Dark outside, and if you live in Cyprus, you know the power can go out any time the trees blow a little bit, and the wind is gusting, and you know, you're getting all your batteries and your candles out. And it can be a little scary. I know it especially can for our grandchildren. And uh, they, they got their own little lanterns and everything that they have at our house, just, just in case. And if they hear thunder, they start doing this weird stuff. So we have to pray that away. <laughs> well, it should be fun, but I, they do get a little scared. And we're trying to, we're going to run all that off. They're getting better. Amen. <laughs> when they're real, they, we used to have to take them home if it was a storm. Now they stay. So they have improved. Amen. <laughs> but imagine being in a, a hurricane type, a really bad storm, which we've all set out in our home. Imagine being in that same storm, but in a boat in the middle of the sea. An open boat. Holding on for dear life. The wind blowing and the waves crashing into the boat, filling it up. Huh? That's not fun. <laughs> this is exactly the situation that Jesus disciples found themselves in as they crossed over the Sea of Galilee one time. They were crossing over, by the way, and this is important to remember because he told them to. And he was with them. This is one of the times he was with them in the boat. And it's important to know that he told them to cross over. Let's go over to the other side. Why? Well, I'll, I'll change to a different story out on that same body of water. How, how, why did, how did Peter walk on the water? How did Peter walk on the water? Because Jesus told him to. Come. He said, come. Yeah, he did. He got all the way. He struggled with unbelief, but Jesus... Him. But the power to walk on that water came from that one word from Jesus, come. The authority to override the natural forces was contained in the single word from Jesus. But this account that I'm talking about today is found in, in, in Matthew and Luke 8 and Luke chapter 4. No, Mark chapter 4 and Luke chapter 8, Matthew chapter 8. In the natural, it looked like they were going to sink. It looked like they were doomed. It looked like they were going to die. Now, I'm going to read the version from Luke because he's not as dramatic as Mark. Mark's the one that went to him saying, Don't you care? We're going to die. And I don't like that version. So I'm going to read the one from Luke. <laughs> Chapter 8, verse 22 through 25. 
Jesus with the disciples in this storm. And in verse 22 it says, One day he got into a boat with his disciples and said to them, Let us cross to the other side of the lake. There it is. Not let's go halfway and drown. <laughs> so they set out. And as they sailed, he fell asleep. And a windstorm came down on the lake, and they were filling with water and were in danger. And they went and woke him, saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. And he awoke, and he rebuked the wind and the waves and, and the raging waves, and, and they ceased. The Bible usually says, Peace, be still. He said one word, Shalom. And there was a calm. And he said to them, where is your faith? He turned on the disciples. <sighs> he hadn't even had a cup of coffee yet. <laughs> Where's your faith? And listen to this. And they were afraid. They were afraid before because they were going to die. Now they're afraid because he got up and calmed the storm. And they marveled, saying to one another, Who then is this that he commands even the winds and the water? And they obeyed him. Smart. A <laughs> couple of things. Even though these 12 men... They had Jesus as their personal mentor and teacher, and they, they lived with him, and they walked with him. They saw him perform incredible miracles. Even at this point, what version did I read from? In Luke chapter 8, so he had, uh, he had raised the widow's son from the dead. He had healed the centurion's servant. He had healed the man. I mean, he had done all kind of things, including raising the dead. So... But they marveled. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? They had seen him do a lot of miracles already. But this one is, that's pretty, that's pretty, I, I mean, I don't know how you really compare. You know what I mean? Well, sure, you can raise the dead, but who can call most, I mean, I don't know, you know, what they were thinking. But they, they struggled to grasp a couple of things that would have given them Peace, the same peace that he operated in, the peace that allowed him to sleep in the back of that boat. His head was on a pillow, and he was just sawing logs back there. And they could have operated that same peace and victory in that storm. Anyone want to experience peace and victory in your storms? Amen. Amen. Me too. Praise God. Well, first... Let me tell you this, they did not really understand who Jesus was. Jesus knew who he was. <laughs> he was in the same storm, same terrible conditions they were, but he was back there in peaceful sleep. He wasn't worried about it. Hadn't he said, let's go over to the other side? Like I said, not let's go halfway and sink. So in that word contained everything needed to get from one side to the other. He's God. 
They didn't know that. They had seen what he could do, but they still didn't realize that God was in the boat. They just didn't. The moment Jesus calmed the storm, they were astonished at his authority. Who is this man that he can even tell the wind and the waves what to do? The other thing is, and it's because of the first thing, since they didn't understand who he was, they did not understand their own identities. <laughs> when Jesus was with them, and he, they did get better, but while Jesus was with them, he, he, he gave them some really clear instructions on on their purpose and, uh, and, and regarding their authority and their power to do certain things. Power and authority he had given them to use in his name. Luke chapter 9, the first two verses, says he called his 12 disciples together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. He sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Well, this was right after that. So, be too hard on the disciples. They're still trying to figure it all out. I tell people, you wish, you say you wish Jesus was with you every day. It's a lot easier for us now than it was for them. They, they knew, he, they at some point, some way, some of them kind of came to terms with the fact that he was the Messiah, but they thought that meant he was going to take over, kick Rome out, and take the throne and, and set up the kingdom in Israel while he was there. You see, they didn't understand the spiritual reasons he had come the first time. Next time, he's coming to do what they thought he was going to do the first time. You get that? <laughs> he told them before he went to heaven, and he's telling you now, these signs, and this is Mark chapter 16, verses 17 and 18, these signs will follow those who believe. This is one of the sacred cows or the Trojan horses that needs to be killed in the church. He didn't say these signs will follow you original apostles and disciples and it'll die out when you do. He said these signs will follow those who believe. In my name. That's why I always tell people don't worry about being a fancy oh, I don't know how to pray. You know how to talk? Do you, do you know how to tell your friends what you're thinking or wanting to get across to them? Do that. Yeah. <laughs> Explain it that way in your prayer. Speak to it that way. Because the power is not in your fancy prayer. Yeah. <laughs> it's in the name of Jesus. Yeah. Amen. Amen. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will, who? Those who believe will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. Mm -hmm. Not all will, but you can. Mm -hmm. 
If you get the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it's like tennis shoes. Tongues come with it. They will take up serpents. Listen to this. Don't go juggling snakes. Try to prove a point. Don't tempt God like that. The Apostle Paul was in a shipwreck. He landed on an island. He was gathering firewood and he got bit by a snake. It latched onto a viper, a poisonous snake latched onto him. And he just slung it off into the fire. And they were impressed and blessed because it didn't kill him. Because apparently it should have. They lived there. They knew it. He just slung it off into the fire. And you know, he was able to preach to those people. (laughs) That's more along the lines of what he's talking about. We don't want to do foolish stuff. But if they drink anything, same thing here. If they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. I drink coffee every day, so I know that's true. (laughs) They will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. When somebody doesn't jump up and do a cartwheel out of their wheelchair when you lay hands and pray for them, don't think that they haven't been healed, have not been healed. Can I tell you this? It's wonderful to see instantaneous healings. I've seen them. God has done that through my hands and he's going to do a lot more. But most, most, most healings are gradual. And the instantaneous ones are wonderful, but a lot of people lose those healings because they don't believe. They get back into fear and doubt, and they feel the pain. Oh, I think it's coming back. Well, if you say so. (laughs) Nevertheless, you have power. Yeah. They will be healed. The disciples, at this point, they still hadn't, they hadn't grasped that, that they had the power to do this. He, had, he really hadn't imparted to them. See, because the Holy Spirit hadn't come yet. And he hadn't given, in the Old Testament, and up till the time that Jesus was crucified and the atonement provided for everything, and then 50 days later, when, on the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came. You see, he, they, had, they had received the Holy Spirit but then they hadn't been baptized with power of the Holy Spirit. It's a separate thing. You, see, you receive the Holy Spirit when you're saved. But there's a special impartation of power, an endowment of power from the Holy Ghost when you're baptized in the Holy Ghost. It's a separate experience. You'll have different people preach different things, but I'm telling you, that's my experience. You can't unscramble these eggs. <laughs> so they didn't, they didn't really get it yet. The truth is, they didn't need Jesus. They didn't need Jesus to help them that night is what I mean. We always need Jesus. They didn't need to wake him up. They had the power and ability. Otherwise, he wouldn't have said, where's your faith? They weren't using something that they had, is what he implied. Isn't that right? So they had everything in themselves that they needed to get across that lake because he had already said, let's go to the other side. All they had to do was believe. 
and say, nope, just, just keep rolling, boys. He said, we're going to the other side, we're going to the other side. Yeah, you might have to bail sometimes. <laughs> we have that same authority, but, but, but just like them, our, our authority is useless unless we believe and exercise it. Isn't that right? It's voice activated. We have to do something. Faith will cause you to do something. Faith is not a work, but it will produce works. James said, show me your faith without works. I'll show you mine by my works. Smith Wigglesworth went in that hospital and prayed for that person in a coma, like I told you. And he said, now I need a sign of faith. And they said, oh, he moved his finger. He said, that's good enough for me. He's healed. And that guy started getting better and better, and he, he came up out of, that, out of that coma and was completely healed, restored, and made whole. So... Now, I want to, you know, I see a lot of people talking about uh, sending silent prayers and uh, positive thoughts your way. Uh, no, that's not, I mean, that's not a negative thing. It's better than ugly thoughts, <laughs> you know, especially for your own well-being. Because our thought life is very important, but it's only to do with us. You know, it's not for others. Mm, you know, that's, that's not Christianity. So if you do that on social media or you participate with others, or sending, sending positive thoughts your way, well, good, but I'd rather you pray for me. Amen. Out loud, if you can. <laughs> ah, why do I get involved in these things? Lord says, you do it. You do it. He told Moses, he said, take that stick that you gave me that I turned into the rod of God and part that Red Sea. And let them walk across. You do it. What are you crying to me for? That's what he said. Stretch out your rod. Part to see. What God's trying to tell us is we are powerful. Jesus sat down at the right hand of the Father because he was finished. And he gave all his authority and power and dominion. To us, And so many times he says, my people are begging me to do stuff that I've already done and granted to them. If they just need to learn to cooperate with the spiritual laws and, and believe in the promises and provision that I've already provided and it will be theirs. Amen. We're powerful. We're blessed. We're strong. What else are we lately? Spiritual giants. Spiritual giants. Amen. Amen. Because of Jesus. Because we're in covenant with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Amen. Amen. Those original disciples, they were at a disadvantage. 
to New Testament believers. Because the cross had not yet been accomplished, the Holy Spirit hadn't been sent, but now we have the entire New Testament and the Old Testament is more understandable because it was all in type and shadow. And we have all the promises and provision of God. We have all the stories and parables. We have everything that they went through on our behalf so we, don't, we can learn from it. And so we have, we're better off. We just need to be aware of our power and authority. Look in Romans chapter 8 for a minute. I don't know. I knew something was on my mind. Romans chapter 8. And the 28th verse. I was looking at this. And we, believers, that's us, amen. And we know, Romans 8, 28, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. You are called if you are saved. You have a purpose. If you are saved, you have entered into God's plan. If you will just seek him and you will find him. And he will show you wonderful things that you did not know. That's his promise. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. You're just like Jesus. You're one of many. Jesus was just the first. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. Wow. So you're predestined. You're called. You're justified. You're glorified in Christ. It's done. What then shall we say to these things? All those wonderful things. If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? That's you and me. It's God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Again, nobody. Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. You know Jesus is praying for you? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, bitter pools, Distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, sword, danger, or sword, as it is written, for your sake, we're being killed all the day long. We're regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, no matter what you go through, no matter what the enemy throws at you, you are more 
than a conqueror through Jesus who loves you. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's a good place to say amen. I'm glad you did. Amen. (laughs) And listen, no matter what storms rage around you in this life, you have power and authority over all the works of the devil. We've been talking about the demonic spirit of Babylon, this whore of Babylon. Last week I said harlot because I would try to polish it up so it wasn't so offensive. And then my wife says, I'd rather you said whore than harlot. I'm like, I can't win. I told her, you take it up with God. He, he calls her both. I just thought I'd call the nicer one. Was, she said, well, no. I don't know. She's, gotta, she's just got to keep me humble for some reason. I don't know. God bless her. She's awesome. We've been talking about this spirit of Babylon, though. I don't want to go into it again because it's pretty awesome. Last week we got through that, talked about that, and and so we have a a better understanding of that all the way from the ancient Persian city and empire of Babylon to all the way to the book of Revelation and what, what Peter referred to when they were in Rome as Babylon and basically the spirit of the world. That's a spirit against, against God. And this demonic spirit of Babylon, the spirit of the world, is, is active right now. Very active. Told you it rises up in different forms and is suppressed for a time and it'll rise up in some other form, you know. It, arise, it rose up as in the, within the Nazi party. It rose in ISIS and in Hamas now. And it's in this country in a, in a woke nature, you know. But it'll all be suppressed and then rise up again. And it's going to continue to do so until it's wiped out by that angel in one hour before Jesus comes. But you're going to continue to commit terrible atrocities against God's people. The devil doesn't want you to know who you are and the power and authority that you wield in Christ. You know that? He doesn't want you to know. And some of you are sitting there saying, well, I wish I did know. I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to help you know. You got you to gotta believe. Faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing the word of God. Not by having heard the word of God. We're leaky vessels, you know. Matthew 24, verse 4. We're gonna, we're gonna protect ourselves from this whore of Babylon. <laughs> I don't like saying that. 
<laughs> the spirit of the world that's out to get you. Matthew 24, 4, and Jesus answered them, See that no one leads you astray. See that no one leads you astray. The King James Version says, Take heed that no man deceive you. I love that. I love that he said it. Because it means that the deception of believers can be avoided. Hallelujah. Amen. Otherwise, he wouldn't have said it. He wouldn't have told us not to allow it if he hadn't given us the power and ability to disallow it. Right? He would be unjust to do that. That would be sadistic. <laughs> you know? That's like telling someone with no arms to throw you a ball. He would never do that. Let no one deceive you. Satan can only deceive us if we allow him to do so. Now this isn't to condemn us every time we've been deceived because every one of us have been deceived by that devil many, 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 many times. And it caused us to sin. It qualified us for the grace of God. <laughs> you all qualified? All right. Then we're not going to pull a splinter out of our brother's eye until we get the telephone pole out of our own. <laughs> Ephesians 6 11, God tells us to put on the whole armor of God, doesn't he? So that we can stand against the wiles of the devil. So there again, it shows that we have this power and authority and ability in God and that he's given us everything that we need. I'm not going to go through all that armor, but I can tell you this. He says, put on the whole armor of God. And I've, I've, I've jokingly told you before that a lot of, a lot of Christians are, are running around naked with only their helmet of salvation on. No other armor. There's more to overcoming the devil in this life than just being saved. Being saved is great. And if that's all you got was the helmet, then I'll see you in heaven, okay? <laughs> Praise God. But we have to understand our righteous position in the Lord. We have to have faith. We have to know the word. We have to understand the gospel of peace, don't we? Yeah. It's important. The Christian life is a constant struggle against Satan and his army of demonic demons forces. They're trying to corrupt us. They're trying to steal the word from us. Without the word, you don't know right from wrong. Huh? It's that simple. Many of us are aware of the warfare. Yeah. 
because I hear every Christian talking about spiritual warfare, mostly the ones that don't know anything about it. <laughs> but we don't know how to fight the battles. We don't understand where the warfare is taking place. Anyone want to remind us where the battle is? Hmm? That's right. Right between our ears. The battle's in our minds. So y'all were all right. I think. I didn't hear everything. Because it was like, huh? 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 The serpent in the Garden of Eden, he didn't, he didn't threaten Eve with, with physical violence, did he? Huh? That snake didn't come say, I'm going to bite you if you don't eat that apple. He didn't, he, didn't, he didn't threaten her with force or violence. He used words to deceive her. That's in Genesis chapter 3, if any of you haven't read that. Yep, Randy's on his seventh time around the sun. Fourth. Satan, Satan comes at us with thoughts. Thoughts that are designed to undermine the word of God. That's what he did to Eve. And that's what he's still doing today. He's a deceiver. That was his original tactic and he's never changed. He tried to do the same thing to Jesus, but he failed. In Matthew chapter 4, the first 11 verses, you can read about that. That's type and shadow was David and Goliath of that episode that took place in Matthew chapter 4. Oh, let me get off into that. In Matthew chapter 18, Jesus tells us, whoever humbles themselves, remember that. Humility is necessary, essential in the Christian life. Totally. Big, it's a big deal. And praying for God to humble you is not a legitimate prayer. I don't find it anywhere. You show me and I'll correct my teaching. The Bible tells us to humble ourselves. And a reason why is God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Amen. But it says to humble yourself. And that's a hard one because pride is like an onion. It's got so many layers. So many layers of pride. So many layers of pride. Start by putting a trap door, just a zipper on that lips. That's the best place to start. <laughs> he says, humble yourselves. Whoever humbles themselves or takes, this, takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. 
So having faith like a child, it's, it's no easy feat, is it? Because I'm assuming that, because we're not just fans, we're followers of Jesus. You're the, you're the real disciples. Otherwise, you wouldn't be in a place like this. And God, God sees that, and he loves you for it, because you really want him. You don't care about all the other stuff. And that's our goal. Only you, Lord Jesus. Nothing else. Whoever humbles themselves like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of God. Having faith like a child, why is it so hard? Because we have a free will and it requires us to, to put that our will aside. Hello? Y'all tracking with me? This way, our opinions and misconceptions don't get in the way of trusting God. So we're called to have childlike faith. So childlike faith is a good thing, of course, when it comes to believing God. But one of the characteristics that make children vulnerable is that they're easily deceived. They're gullible, aren't they? So it's good to have childlike faith toward God, but it also leaves you open. I always use the, the night Jesus was betrayed and when... when when Peter followed at a distance and that space between him and Jesus allowed the enemy to come in, you see? For a believer to move from being a child of the faith to sonship, a true disciple, they have to develop discernment. It comes with time. You can't microwave it. Time being rooted and grounded in the Word of God. Time developing a relationship with the real Jesus. The one that lines up with the Word of God. If I, if I owe you, David, a $100 bill... And I say, oh, yeah, he, I got that for you. And I come and I try to give you a Monopoly 100. <laughs> you wouldn't take it. You wouldn't take it. I mean, you might take it, but, but you, you, wouldn't think it, you wouldn't think I had repaid you. <laughs> you might tell everybody I lost my ever-loving mind. But you wouldn't go try to buy them lunch with it. My grandson would take it. But he's three. And it might be prettier than a real hundred. Why? What's the difference? You, you, you know what a real Benjamin looks like. Hello. 
This is important. <laughs> the way that we recognize deception is not to analyze all the, the false claims and the lies that the world and the devil try to sell us, but to become so familiar with what is genuine that a counterfeit is easy to spot. James chapter 1, verses 22 through 25. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away at once, forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, that's the word of God, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. Live by this word. Don't just listen and then let the, de the enemy come and steal the word from you immediately. Apply it to your life. I wish James would have just said, just don't, don't just hear, but believe. Because right believing produces right doing. I say right, right believing produces right doing. So we continue to grow in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus. Because that's how grace and peace are multiplied in our lives which we all want and need. Because that's how we hear God and that's how we live a prosperous life. Living a life of peace with the favor of the Lord upon us. And that comes through growing in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. If we continue to do this, we get stronger. We're growing. Just like the Lord asks us to. We're developing. We're becoming mature. Then we can't be deceived. Because we, we, we know the word of God. Which means we know Jesus. If, you, if you've learned the word of God through the lenses of grace and truth. Knowing that the blank page between Matthew and Malachi is there for a reason. And that this is a new covenant. And that Jesus has paid for it all. And he's the reason for the season that's coming. And he's the reason for everything good that we are entitled to and have. We're not trying to earn relationship with God. All, we got that free when we believed on Jesus. Just stay in the Word. Live the Word. Apply the truths that you learn. Meditate on the things that you hear. Talk about it with the Lord until it becomes your own, until it becomes part of you. And then you say, I'm going to apply that. I've been a little off on that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk in that this whole week. That's, I'm not going to... Have you ever 
Like sometimes I'll read three or four epistles in the back at, at a time. Another time I'll, I'll open like to read the proverb of the day and I'll, I'll get two scriptures and I'll, and I'll meditate on that all day. It'll, it'll come off the page and I'll, I'll just go, go visit with the Lord about that all day. You know what I'm saying? Because this word is alive and active and God wants to talk to you through it. John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way. You see, it's important that we know what the truth is. And the only way to know it is through this word with the help of the Holy, Holy Spirit. And people say, well, what is truth? You hear all this philosophical nonsense. That's your truth. That's your truth. No, I know the truth. And he's a person. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. That's John 14, 6. So this is one of those, those Trojan horses, those lies of the devil that has tried to come into the church, that Jesus is just a way to heaven. But that lie will take you straight to hell. And that's where the Lord is going to send those deceivers if they don't repent. Jesus didn't condemn and, and, and neither did he compromise. Jesus didn't condemn, but he didn't compromise. He never called evil good. He loved, he forgave, and he called sin, sin. It would not be love to not tell someone that their sin was sin. That doesn't mean you need to seek out everybody and go tell them their sin. The Lord hasn't given you that authority in their life. The Lord, are you not visiting with... You know, the better you know the Lord and you have the Holy Ghost, you can be, you can have ten friends and ten of them all doing the same dumb thing. The Lord might tell you just to make an announcement and tell them all how dumb they are right there. I'm just kidding. He might tell you not to say anything to nine of them and the one, there'll be a perfect window and a door of opportunity and you can, it's almost like the Holy Spirit saying, go now. Now, now mention it. Because it's a, it's a time, it's an opportunity that has been created by the Holy Spirit where he is ready to receive. Because if it's not in love and, it's not, and he's not ready to receive, then it can do more damage than good. It might just run him away from God and just tell you to go, you know what? You know what I mean? So you've got to be communing with God. You've got to stay close to Jesus. You got to stay close to the Holy Spirit. What's I saying? <laughs> I guess a good example of that is in John eight. Jesus said, "When they caught the woman in the act of adultery, 
which was illegal for men and women. <laughs> and if they caught her in the act, they should have had the man and the woman with them. But they were just trying to trap Jesus, and they came and they threw the woman down in front of them, in front of him. And he said, and they wanted him to talk about it. He'd been preaching love and grace and forgiveness. And if he said that, then they could get him in trouble with the law because the law said she could be stoned, should be punished for this. So that would have been fine with them. But if he would have said what the, what the law said, then it would have gone against everything that he came to accomplish. But he's not dumb enough to fall into one of their traps. So he said, let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw the stone at her. And when they heard it, they began to go away one by one, beginning with the older ones. And he was left alone and the woman where she was in the center of the court. Straightening up, Jesus said to her, woman, where are they? Did no one condemn you? She said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said, I don't condemn you either. Go. From now on, sin no more. Romans 8.28 reminds us, and we know that all things God works for the good for those who love him and have been called according to his purpose. Isn't that what we just read? So we have a confident expectation of the goodness of God in our lives, don't we? Even in our pain, even in our hardships, even in our disappointments. We just can't give up on standing up for Jesus. No matter what the world throws at us, because it's just going to get worse. In this life, you will suffer persecution for Jesus' sake. If you've never been persecuted for your faith, you will. If you never bump into the devil, it's because you travel in the same direction. Remember, the devil's a liar. And he's going to try and convince you that Jesus isn't for you. But he's a deceiver. And Jesus will never leave you and never forsake you. And sometimes when you feel the most alone, that's when Jesus is right there, as close as he'll ever be. These are some strange, hard times we're living in. We are the most blessed and prosperous nation in the world, even with the, even with the crazy nonsense going on in government and the crazy inflation and all that. We're still super, super blessed. But there's, there's a lot of other demonic things going on. The battlefield is in the mind, and the enemy's coming hard. I'm not bragging on him because he's a loser. But I know this. I find myself overwhelmed more and more often for no particular reason. And I have to get these holy hands up 
and just begin to shout to the Lord, hallelujah. Sing to the Lord, thank the Lord, praise the Lord, because God inhabits the praise of his children. He will replace a spirit of heaviness with a garment of praise. When, you're, when the enemy's doing his worst, you begin to praise God and thank him the loudest. In all things, give thanks. No, it doesn't mean give thanks for all things. Of course not. It means at all times, you can still thank God. Because you know he's working all things for the good. He's working behind the scenes. There are angels that he has assigned to you. And when you speak the promises and the word and the provision and the praise of God, those angels come rushing in to do your will and run off that devil. Hopefully that's going to help someone today. It sure has helped me lately. So, occupy until he returns. Huh? Take care of his business. Walk in faith. Know him. Because as he is, so are you in this world. So know him so that you'll know you. The more you know him and you believe that as he is, so are you in this world. You see what I'm saying? If you don't believe you have power and authority and ability... Just look at Jesus and say, I have everything that he had when he was here because he gave it to me. And he's not a liar like everybody else I know. <laughs> Hopefully you have good people in your life. We all do. But you know what I'm saying? Even if you're in a situation where there's nothing but losers and liars and hypocrites and they can't give anything without taking it back, Jesus is not that way. He never will be. He loves you. He's for you. He's good. And you have power and authority that you need to start using. Yeah. Begin to lay your hands on the sick. Speak health and wholeness. Command. Don't ask God to do it. Don't lay hands and say, God, please heal them. It's not what he said to do. I'm not saying that any prayer is bad. But he's going to tell you the same thing if he was standing there. You tell it. You, I gave you the authority. I gave you the power. I say those who believe will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Speak to the mountain. What is the mountain? Cancer. Poverty. Call it by name. Commanded to leave in the name of Jesus. And then believe. Believe you have what you prayed for when you prayed. Don't keep standing there looking and calling every five minutes to find out. Just know that it, has, it is done. 
I could take you back to the book of Daniel in the Old Testament. I'm finished here, but I just want to... There is time. There are things going on in the spiritual realm. Time, maybe not as we know it. But once Daniel prayed a prayer, and it took maybe three minutes, and, when he, and there was an angel standing there, and he says, from the time you began to pray and believe, God sent word. In other words, he answered that prayer immediately. The next chapter, he prayed and fasted for like three weeks, and the angel was there. <clears throat> Again, the angel said immediately the prayer was answered. Not one took three minutes and one took three weeks. The one that took three weeks was because the angel bringing the answer ran into a big fight opposition in the heavenlies. He had a fight. He had to call on the archangel Michael to come and, and, and help him. So we don't know what's going on around us. But I do know one thing. If you stop believing and you start saying, well, I prayed, but you may not get that prayer answered. It was already answered but you may lose what was already on its way. Just throwing that in for free. We can elaborate on it some other time, but I'm done for today, praise God. <laughs> Hallelujah. Y'all hear him talking to you today. The disciples didn't know who Jesus was, so they didn't know who they were and what they had. You know who he is. You know that he's given you his complete authority and power in this world over all the works of the enemy. You know that it is the children's bread. You are his children for everlasting life, physical healing, and prosperity. Amen. Take it. Yes. Take it. That'll be the message next week. We'll talk about taking it. We'll talk about how to take it. All right? Amen. Heavenly Father, thank you for this beautiful day. Thank you for your love, grace, and mercy, your word. Thank you for teaching us and growing us in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. We just thank you, Lord, here, that everyone here and everyone that hears this message is healed completely in their body from the crown of their head to the soles of their feet we command healing upon their body we command all sickness infirmity and tumors and disease of all kinds to leave their body we command healing and we just thank you for ministering to their hearts and minds and help them to see themselves healed and whole and to say nothing less and to surround themselves with faith-filled believers who will say nothing else we just thank you for financial prosperity Lord and making us good stewards for the kingdom of God to grow your kingdom and to be about your business Lord and that we be blessed as well and we thank you Lord that eternal life is ours and that our names are written in the Lamb's book of life in Jesus name Amen